Hello, and welcome to Doing Video Games With, a video games podcast unlike any you've heard before. It's created by us, students in David Morgan's first year writing class at Emory University. Read, write, play. Over the course of the semester, we will explore the expressive nature of video games and their place in the media landscape. Each week, a pair of students will play a game and then discuss it using terms and ideas from Ian Bogost's Doing Things with Video Games. So come explore video games with us. Stephen Black. And I'm Max Foss. And this is Doing Video Games with Reverence, the third episode in the ongoing series Doing Video Games with. This week we will be discussing reverence in the video game The Binding of Isaac. The Binding of Isaac is a 2011 indie 2D dungeon crawler with procedurally generated levels. The player controls a nude crying child named Isaac. After his mother is given a message from God commanding her to sacrifice her son as proof of her faith, Isaac flees into the horror-ridden basement to stay alive. Before we begin, I would like to note that The Binding of Isaac is the only game in Germany to ever receive a 16-plus rating due to blasphemy, the irreverence of God. So would you say that The Binding of Isaac is blasphemous? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's blasphemous, because then you have to ask the question, where is the blasphemy? Is it in the opening sequence? Um, the opening sequence, at least to me, appears to be a reenactment or a rendition of the biblical story of the binding of Isaac with an obvious twist. Isaac is undoubtedly the protagonist. The mother is the antagonist. Based off of the epilogue in which God stops Isaac's mother from killing her son, where would you put God in the story? Would God be classified as an antagonist or a protagonist or an anti-hero? Where would you put God? So I would personally put God as an anti-hero in this story. Because originally it's easy to look at the opening sequence and say, oh, you know, God is the real antagonist because he's the one who incites Isaac's mother to kill him. But at the ending sequence, we see Isaac is backed into a corner, his mother's about to kill him, and then God saves Isaac. So even though in the very beginning it's obvious that God is displaying these classically antagonistic characteristics, by the end, is in fact the protagonist and is saving Isaac. That sounds like uh, full qualifications for an anti-hero. Yeah, so uh, playing through these levels and uh, playing this game, there's a lot of religious symbolism that pops up. Um, so where did you first encounter it? Um, my first encounter with the religious symbolism wasn't a boss battle with one of the one of the sins or, or one of the, you know, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, rather, my first experience with a lot of the uh, Christian symbols, specifically one of them, was the uh, crown of thorns worn by Jesus as he was crucified. Um, that symbol, the crown of thorns, more or less proved, I think, in my playthrough, the innocence of Isaac in the situation, because in the beginning, you know, he was, he was accused of being sinful, and his mother had to take away his video game console, his 
his toys, all that kind of thing, remove the fun from his life, essentially, um, because he was sinful, but I think that Crown of Thorns more or less proves his innocence because it kind of metaphorically, you know, uh, aligns him with Jesus, almost. Yeah, I think you're completely correct. Uh, I have a little bit of a different take on this, mm -hmm. just because I didn't experience that drop item, and a lot of the drop items that I got had almost zero significance uh, with any Christian symbolism, but I found a lot of the symbolism in the mini-bosses that I would come up against. And um, these mini-bosses essentially were the seven deadly sins. And on my second playthrough, which I still had no clue what I was doing with this game, I walked straight into lust. And I it never really struck me like I had seen echoes of this Christian and religious symbolism throughout the game to be like, oh, you know, I understand, like, they're, it's prevalent, it's there, I can see the undertones. But it all of a sudden was illustrated so simply and just right in front of you. It was so obvious um, that this had to do with a lot of religious tones and notes and stuff. So I ran into uh, four of the seven deadly sins in total. Uh, I wound up battling wrath, lust, sloth, and gluttony at one point or another. How about you? Um... So I encountered Envy, Greed, Lust, and I believe that was about it. Um, oh, nobody encountered Pride. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I kind of saw the battle, the, the mini boss battles with the Seven Deadly Sins as kind of uh, Isaac proving himself above the Seven Deadly Sins and yeah. proving himself innocent. That he wasn't actually sinful, that he yeah. was able to defeat these uh, sins and temptations. So, more or less that he was wrongly accused, kind of, you know. Exactly. What was your take on the mini-boss battles with the Seven Deadly Sins? So that was kind of the take that I was going with. Um, but also, I felt like these mini-boss battles and also incorporating a lot of the actual boss battles, because some of the boss battles included... Uh, religious figures such as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, like war and death and pestilence. Um, but there are also other settings and bosses that are, um, have to do with the darker side of Christianity. And I think that this religious symbolism is an avenue for the game to explore that darker side of Christianity without outright mocking it. It's illustrating and shining a light to sort of this underworld of Christianity that people don't really pay attention to as much anymore, you know? You, it's very fire and brimstone-y, essentially, <laughs> yeah. is what it is. Because, you know, now, especially with the reverence you're talking in Sunday school, you know, what do you learn? Treat others how you want to be treated, and um, know your Ten Commandments, and love God, and that kind of thing. But this is the... These were still in the Bible, it's in Christianity, it's very prevalent, but it's not your normal Sunday school kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that it was interesting that it was an avenue to explore this very dark, you know, fire and brimstone with blood and war and loss mm -hmm. side of this religion. So going back to the rating Germany gave the Binding of Isaac and the reason they gave it blasphemy. Would you say that the binding of Isaac is blasphemous, or or is it, does it have reverence for God and Christianity? Where would you put it on the spectrum? 
So in the chapter reference, um, Ian Bogost actually discusses how many video games pay homage and respect to the church and Christianity and what it stands for and for its ideals and its beliefs that it holds sacred. The example Bogost gives is Resistance, Fall of Man, which is this first-person sci-fi shooter set in an alternate timeline in the past. And there was an issue with a church that was portrayed in the video game, and the church was all up in arms about it, was portrayed in this first-person shooter, you know, people are discharging their weapon all over the place, and it's kind of this post-apocalyptic game thing. And Bogost goes into this discussion about how it really wasn't because the church level acted as a symbol for the church's ability to withstand and really hold steadfast onto its principles. And in this level, you've got your enemy, which is called the Chimera. Uh, it absolutely is out to destroy mankind, but the church still stands as a human stronghold and safe place. And in reality, it's this video game really comparing the church's, you know, stability and protectiveness and its, you know, beauty against the absolute destructive nature of the enemy, and it's really showing reverence for the church and for Christianity. But The Binding of Isaac explores more of the flip side of this. Now, I don't think that it's blasphemous at all. In fact, I think it's actually very reverent of religion here. But it's not exploring the side that the church necessarily wants to highlight. It's exploring this dark side that it always existed. Religion wasn't always respectful and kind and, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. It was bloody, and it really still is. And it has a dark past, and it's led people to, you know, do things and commit crimes in the name of whatever they're crusading for. And The Binding of Isaac highlights that. But it also shows as Isaac travels through these, these dungeon crawler levels, defeating the sins, overcoming the apocalypse, you know, kill, essentially killing Satan, you know, it shows that Isaac is able to overcome this. And in the end, he's saved. So no, I don't think the game is irreverent. I think it's actually showing a great amount of respect for the religion. So it shows reverence in two different journeys. Like the church is is a, a, a safe place in the uh, in resistance fall of man, but in the Binding of Isaac, it's a totally different story. Rather than going to safety, you're running for safety. But in both situations, they both show reverence for the uh, church and religion, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Doing Video Games with Reverence. I'm Stephen Black. And I'm Max Foss. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Video Games with a Read Write Play production. You can find more podcasts and other work by students in this class by visiting the course website at bit.ly slash readwriteplay. That's bit.ly slash r-e-a-d-w-r-i-t-e-p-l-a-y.
all lowercase, all one word. Special thanks to Charlie Bennett, who helped us to develop the structure for this podcast and who loaned his vocal talents to the introductory segment.